Welcome to C3Well Conard. We hope you enjoy our latest Sunday message by Pastor Nick Hind. It's so great to think about the bigger picture, isn't it? And be reminded that we're all on this journey together. And it doesn't matter where we came into the story. Uh, God has been doing plenty before us and he'll continue to work in and through us and well into the future. We've all got a part to play. And as we're celebrating all that God has done in our church life and get excited about the future, let's keep this mindset of taking ground front and center and make sure that we are not missing out on being a part of what God has for us and what He's calling us into. And we've talked about taking ground this month. And as we're celebrating our, our birthday and, and, and really being filled with faith for what is to come, Let's make sure that we're getting rid of any of these mindsets or, or things that can hold us out, keep us out of God's best. And so I want to go back to some of the uh, stories uh, around the Israelites' journey into the promised land and just pick up on another thought or two here uh, about what we need to be mindful of so that we are fully participating with all that God wants to do. And if I was to give this short message a title, it would be this, Grapes and grasshoppers. And we're going to use as our text Numbers chapter 13. You may know this passage as the part where Moses sends 12 spies, that's one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, into the promised land to check it out, to come back and bring a report. And in fact, he says to give, it says to them to bring back a very factual report. They're there to gather data. He says, go and see what it's like. What are the people like? Are they strong or weak? Are they few or many? What kind of land? Is it good or is it bad? Are they, it's very, very detailed and very, very practical. He says, go in. This is, remember, this is the promised land. That's literally what it is called. God has said up in verse 2 of Numbers 13, send them to explore the land that I am giving to Israel. This is the place of God's promise. There's actually no doubt about the, spoiler alert, no doubt about the final outcome. This is where God wants them to live and to exist. And Moses says, okay, let's get in there. Let's make sure as we go in to do this, we do it well. So let's spy it out, learn all we can about it, come back. And uh, he even says to them, go into this place boldly. So there's still this sense of confidence, right? There's a sense of clarity about their purpose and what God has in front of them. And so off they go. The spies go in and they look at this land and what do they find? Well, exactly what God promised. They come back and say, this is an incredible land. It is full of provision and promise. Uh, and in verse 23, there is a, a funny line, which uh, when I first read it, 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 it gave me the first half of the title of this message. And it says in verse 23, when they came to a, the Valley of Eshol, they cut down a cluster of grapes so large, it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. That is a massive bunch of grapes. And so this is one of the particular pictures. They bring back all sorts of spoils of the land. But what a demonstration of God's goodness. They have literally lived in slavery and limitation. They've lived, walked through the desert days where there was always just enough to get by. But there is an entirely different flavor and feel about the promised land. It is a land of abundance. It is a land that is blessed by God. It is a land of provision as well as God's promises. And so there are these grapes, grapes or grasshoppers is our message title. These grapes, and we're going to hear about the grasshoppers uh, really soon. These grapes are so big 
It takes two people to carry a bunch of them. And as they bring their bounty back, uh, their report begins with a declaration that this is indeed a magnificent land. And so they start to report on all that is good about it. Then comes a critical shift. And if you maybe know the bigger picture here, we're talking about a, a time not that long after they have uh, come out of Egypt and, and journeyed through the desert. But what happens in verse 28 here, and it starts as all the sort of scary verses in the Bible do with a but, uh, with a big but. Uh, it starts with a but that actually sends the nation into a spiral that keeps them for an entire generation out of the promised land. See, what happens is they say, this is a good place, but the people there, they look rough and tough and the cities are fortified and it's going to be too scary and, and I don't know if we can ever do that. And so on and on uh, this goes, they start to describe the people there and who they are and, and where they're living from. We have one of God's faithful, Caleb, in the middle of this saying, hey, it's okay. We can still go in. We should go right now. I think he knows that fear uh, is contagious. And so he's saying, no, no, let's go right now. Let's not overthink this. Let's get in there and take the promised land. Caleb says, let's go. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who'd explored the land with him answered, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. And what happens is they begin with this critical spirit and they begin to list all of the things they're going to keep God's people out of his blessings and his promises. And the, the challenge here is that it's not actually the things that they identify that are the roadblock to what God has for them. It's the attitude that they take on when they view these things. It's not the circumstances. It's what they allow the circumstances to do to them. And boy, don't we do that as well. It's sometimes we come up against a challenge or an obstacle, and instead of trying to see it in God's perspective, we allow it to speak to us and set the tone and the perspective. Whereas Caleb, he's on the other end of this. He's saying, no, 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 let us set the tone. That may be a fact, but we have God's truth. But what these other spies did, the other 10, they actually take those facts and they allow that to inform their truth. They begin to say, no, this couldn't be possible. How could we conquer this land with all of this? And it says they spread discouraging reports. I mean, this is, this is scary. They, they, this panic starts to take hold and they start actively spreading and it saps the confidence, it saps the courage of the people. And despite the insistence of a few people of faith, the, the, the discouraging report of the majority gets the upper hand. And if we look at verse 33, this is where the rest of the title of this short message comes from. The people say this, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, this, this language fascinates me. Seems ridiculous, but boy, do we do this. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. I'm sure we can all identify with feeling small. And that's what they thought too. How did they know? They were too scared to go anywhere near them. How did they know what they thought? And they built these giants up to be that way. They weren't necessarily giants, but all of a sudden they've said they were big. Therefore, we call them giants. And we felt small, so they must have seen us as small. The NIV says we felt we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. How do you know what you look like to somebody else? They felt a certain way and then they decided that that must be the truth, that that must be a reality. We feel this way, so we must seem like that to others. And so the question here is for us, I guess, is uh, are we looking at the grapes or the grasshoppers? Are we seeing with eyes of faith 
or with eyes of fear? Uh, are we allowing things to hold us back or are we allowing God to call us forwards? This thinking that it got amongst the people is a little bit like, I don't know if you've ever played, you know, peekaboo or hide and seek with a toddler. And they think that whatever they can see, you can see. So you get to this stage and it's kind of fun playing with little kids at this stage where they think that if they close their eyes and they can't see you, somehow you can't see them. They have this invisibility power. It's a bit like what the Israelites are doing here. They're saying the way we felt and what we saw must have been reality for everybody else as well. And it's a crazy idea, but it's a place that we easily get to. They, they even started to build the story up with the giants and the grasshoppers uh, to, to sort of back up the fear that had gripped them. And here's the thing, faith and fear, although they are opposites, they're actually kind of similar. They're just, in a lot of ways, fear is faith in reverse. You see, what fear did was it caused them to overlook the positives. It caused them to favor inaction and to change their report until doing anything seemed like a bad idea. Fear created inaction. Fear is actually, and worry is the same, it's about bringing imagined future negatives into the present so we physically experience them. You know what faith is? Faith is bringing imagined or, or foreseen, understood future positives and bringing them into the present so that we are encouraged and experience them. You see, faith can cause you to overlook those negatives. It'll cause you to favor action and it'll cause you to speak confidently until there is nothing you can do except act, right? Fear will bring you to inaction. Faith will build you up until action is the only possible course of events. And so you've got Caleb in the background there saying, let's do it now. Surely we can conquer this land. See, the simple truth is fear is what keeps us where we are. And ultimately for the Israelites, it meant that for a, a generation, for 40 years, they stayed outside of God's best for them, outside that promised land where God wanted to bless them, outside of what He had already declared as their future and their inheritance. And while it's easier to look at that and think, how foolish, I tell you what, the, the same reality in question is, is on us. Are we going to look at circumstances and allow them to speak and dictate to us? Or are we going to have a taking ground mindset? We could look right around us at the moment and say, look at all the, the chaos and the uncertainty and the fear in culture. Let's just hold back and really hold on and then hopefully not lose too much. Or we can say, hey, God, I know you are at work. I know you are always calling us forwards. We want to discern. We want to see what you see. We want to see with eyes of faith and know what you are calling us into, both individually, maybe for our families and as a church community. We want to see what you're calling us into. Lord, what are the unique opportunities? What are the ways that you're calling us to partner with you in our community? What are the ways that you are calling us forward together as your people? Lord, we can look back to the stories of your goodness as we celebrate our, our birthday and as we are, are reminded of the way you've led us in taking ground. As we, as we look at all you have done, Lord, we are so encouraged. Faith rises in our hearts. We, we need to be these sort of people who can make this shift to, to get out of this mindset of, well, as long as we keep death at bay, it's okay, to a mindset where we understand that God has called us into abundant life. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, not in the future sometime, right here and now we are called to live 
in God's promises. And I just want to pray for you as we finish up today and just encourage you in this. And so Lord, I thank you. Would you do a great work in us right now, individually, but also corporately, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you can be speaking to all of us individually, but calling us forward together as well. Lord, I thank you that you're giving us eyes of faith. You have moved mountains on our behalf. You've called us into your promises. Lord, you have moved heaven and earth. You have written our names in the book of life. You have defeated sin and death for us and called us into relationship with you. And Lord, I thank you that that fills our hearts with faith and thanksgiving to you, Lord. And it fills us with faith for the future. We are so thankful and we are so expectant of what you are calling us into. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.